Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me at rickthomas.net. This is episode 111. The title of this podcast, Life Over Coffee podcast, is Why Are You So Hard on Men and Not Women? That's from a letter that I received from a person who regularly reads from our website, and he actually benefits from our ministry. He's been reading our content, and he wanted to take the time to write a letter, and I appreciate him taking the time to do that. He wanted to know why I write more to men and not to women. He's upset because men are continually beat down, as he says, while women are given a pass. So let me jump right into this. I'll read to you his article. I want to interact with it. I have other additional comments, so let's go. Here's what he wrote. Hey, Rick, no response needed, but one thing I find glaring on the website is the seeming lack of admonishment to women regarding their desire to rule over their husbands and at times rebelliousness to allow the husband to lead her, as clunky as it may be at the beginning of marriage. I also find very little addressing how a woman's contemptuous attitude can and often does destroy her husband's desire to lead and to engage in the physical intimacy of God's design, which can lead to even bigger pains and hurts in the relationship. Rarely does a blog or sermon or book even attack such actions. They are gracious enough to continually beat down or beat a man down for not being all God designed him to be without ever questioning whether he has tried to lead. He may have a feminist egalitarian wife or just a wife that never had health modeled from a broken or non-Christian dysfunctional home. I like you, Rick. Much of what you produce ministers to me as a man, even the stuff for women. But it is disingenuous to lay so much on the man for the dysfunctional relationships without sternly addressing the mindsets mentioned above of the women that can and often do beat the man into sinful submission to withdrawal. We have our issues, but it just seems women get the soft pass. While the men always get the floggings, it is almost never a balanced approach, even in counseling. Thanks for letting me vent a little frustration with the system. Sign, struggling to be more like him within her contempt. That was the letter that I received. How does that strike you? How do you respond to this letter? Well, I, I hope that your response is a sign of Christian maturity. And if it is, the first thing that you want to do is to examine the log in your eye before you go spec fishing through this article. And if, you're do, if you do want to do that, you are in the right place and you will, you will benefit from this. We can always benefit from what people share with us, if someone shares a complaint, our goal is to sift through the complaint and to find the truth in it, find the, the good that you can learn from it. 
you know, it, it may be that the complaint is it was poorly delivered. Maybe it's 90% wrong, but you want to start with the 10% that is right. I'm not saying that what he wrote here is 90% wrong. I'm just giving an illustration as to how to respond when someone is critical to you. The point is, what can you learn from it? How can you benefit? The truth is, nobody can perfectly present a problem to you about you. Fallen people do not present problems in a perfect way because a perfect good thing cannot come out of a bad thing. And so all of our assessments, all of our critiques and complaints about other people will not be perfect. So we don't want to get hung up on the wrongness of it, but we want to try to examine what what are some good things that we can find in this? And what I've done is I've highlighted a few words in this article. I want to touch on them. And then afterward, I will get into, I will share with you how I responded to him. I wrote him a letter back, and I will share that with you. You can read both of these in the show notes to this podcast, episode 111. Why are you so hard on men? and not women. That's the title of it. You can find it on our website, rickthomas.net. So let's look at his letter. He says there is a seeming lack of admonishment to women. Now, I don't know if that is true or not, but that is his perspective. I would imagine it's true in, in some situations, in some context, and there could be various reasons for that, but what we would want to examine in our own lives is that, is it true for us? Is it true for you? If you are a discipler, a pastor, a small group leader, if you are a biblical counselor, is it that way for you? Is it that way for me? Am I a an equal opportunity uh, critiquer or counselor. We want to be balanced. He says later at the end of his uh, article here that he's found that even in counseling, which is woefully sad for me, that you would stack the deck toward one gender and, and not the other. Now, you just don't want to admonish people. You want to also encourage. And so you could take the opposite side of this. Are you an equal opportunity encourager? Do you encourage the man and the woman, let's say that you're in a discipling context. So just take a moment to examine yourself. This gentleman obviously has experienced a lack of admonishment to women while he has received the floggings, to use his words. Now, granted, he's using a lot of hyperbole in his article, but he also states that he's venting He's just taking the time to vent, and he wants to vent to me, and and I'm okay with that. And I recognize the hyperbole uh, that he's using here, and and that's okay in the sense that I can overlook that. Uh, hopefully, God would break into his heart and 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 calm him down and give him a peace, even in the midst of a difficult situation, apparently, within his marriage, and that he can be kinder and gentler in his approach to 
other people. So I can overlook the hyperbole because the person is struggling. My first thought when I read this uh, was to show compassion. I feel sorry for him. I'm sad for him because he is he's in a trap here. And for whatever reasons, it's not about who fired the first shot, but for whatever reason, he's in a trap. He can't get out. He's frustrated. He's had some poor counseling and and what he's doing is he's mapping over this experience because it's so powerful him to him. It's so hurtful, and so he he's having a hard time to see a balance. As he said, rarely does a blog, a sermon, or book attack such actions that he has described here. And that's the way that he's seeing it because of his experience. So I understand it. So my, I'm not frustrated with him at all. I'm not angry. I'm not hurt. I'm not offended. I'm really sad because he's in a tough spot and he wants somebody to talk to. Will somebody listen to me? And and I want to be that person. And so the first thing, there's a lack of admonishment with women. Is that true for you? Remember, you're examining the log in your eye. And then he says that there is a desire for women to rule over their husbands. Well, there's no question about that. That's not an arguable point. It might not be absolute across the board, universal. I'm sure there are millions of women that really do want to submit to their husbands. But we also know that there is a desire. I mean, it's all over our culture. And we've had more than one generation now reared in this egalitarian feministic culture, even Christians, the Christian community, and they know, they've been trained to have this desire. And submission is not, <laughs> submission is hard for all of us, not just for a wife and a marriage, even if it's a good marriage, but submission is hard for a man with his employer in the local church, in whatever context, submission for children in school. Submission to authority is a hard thing for a lot of people. And so that desire to rule over, yes, it's in women, it's in all of us. And again, here's another spot where we can examine ourselves. Is it in me? Am I submissive? Do I want to submit to the authoritative structures in my life? He goes on to talk about this contemptuous attitude. I have an article on my website called The Power of the Critical Wife. I would encourage every woman to read it. I'm not saying that you are a critical wife. I am saying that life and death is in the tongue. There is power in the tongue. Men aren't as strong as maybe we want to think we are, pretend we are, or as much as we want to ditto the American image as far as a male is concerned. We're very weak. And I don't think that most women realize the power that they have in their tongue. Our egos are fragile. Now, somebody could harshly say, well, just buck up, boy. You know, grow a backbone. Well, that is pathetic counseling. It's insensitive. We're broken people to expect people to be, uh, to come into this world like Jesus or to quickly evolve, transform into Jesus. It's not likely. And 
a lot of people they 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 have broken lives and they're they may become Christians and then they're slowly progressively sanctifying and they can be easily hurt by by what they what is said to them they could be reared by authoritarian parents or harsh unkind parents and children are fragile or they bring that fragility into their adult life and a wife needs to understand that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance not the meanness of God and we want to model God's kindness in our relationship so just take a moment here for male and female do you have a contemptuous attitude Maybe you have a, 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 a large stack of wrongs that your spouse has done to you. Well, we have a humongous stack of wrongs that we have done to God. In fact, the, the stack that we have done to God is greater than any stack that you have against any individual. And how does God respond to us? It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And it's the kindness of God that should be exhibited through our lives toward those, especially those that we have a difficult time loving. I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians, the first nine verses of that book. And what I would want you to dial in on is Paul's attitude toward the Corinthians. And make sure you have the context fixated in your mind. They were nasty. They were mean. They were horrible. They were contemptuous. They had contemptuous attitudes. And Paul had to spend time in the closet uh, thanking God for those Corinthians and, and getting his mind right before he ever spoke to them. And maybe that's what you need with someone who is... If you have a difficult spouse, whether it's a male or a female, but he says a contemptuous attitude can and often does destroy her husband's desire. Men have to be motivated uh, to lead. They need motivation to lead. And so the wife, you know, that's the interesting thing about a wife. She may be submitted to the husband, but in many ways she can control the husband by her tongue. And that's just the way it is. Like it or not, that's just the way it is. And so you can be kind or not. I have a case study that our mastermind students do. Uh, they have 48 case studies in their two-year program. And one of the case studies is titled, The Spear That You May, The Spear That You Sharpen May Stab You, is something like that. I think I botched the title, but you get the idea. The spear that you have been sharpening all these years may turn around and stab you in the heart. Now, that is from a, a real-life case. I, I fictionalized it and, and took the title. I actually heard a preacher one time preach a message, and he said that in the message, and I thought, that is a great title. And so I took his title and wrote a fictional case study, but in the back of my mind, it's actually a real story. But... That story's been acted out a zillion times in, in people's lives where the woman has used her tongue in a contemptuous way like this man has uh, said here, and, he, and she ends up stabbing herself in the, in the heart. It comes back, and she is culpable in the destruction of the marriage. They're both culpable, but again, 
Uh, it's that contemptual attitude that destroys her husband. He says, rarely does a blog, a sermon, a book ever attack such actions. This is another hyperbolic statement, not the rarely, he said, but the attack. I wouldn't f say it that way, but as I said earlier, he's hurting, he's frustrated, he's tired, he's weary, he's worn out. He's venting, as he says, and you don't want to attack such actions. That, that is too strong. Uh, but I do want to take what he's saying here and ask the question, is it true? Is it true? Are there, do blogs and sermons and books, are they mostly stacked against men and their inability or unwillingness or stubbornness or whatever the problem may be? Now, please take the time to examine the blog, the, the blog in your eye the log in your eye. If you are a writer, a teacher, a leader, a discipler, a counselor, whatever leadership context, whether it's in the digital medium like what I am doing here or some other context where you are leading, would it be true of you that you rarely address issues on both sides of the fence. And then he says here that, you know, uh, he may have a feminist egalitarian wife or just a wife that never had health modeled from a broken or non-Christian. She's from a broken or non-Christian dysfunctional home. There are two things here that are true. I've already talked about one, the feminist, the feminist egalitarian wife. That could very well be true because, again, a, a more than one generation has been reared that way. But then he talks about never had health modeled. Now, I see this all the time. I've seen this for decades now in uh, biblical counseling. None of us have had health, a, a biblical marriage, perfectly biblically modeled before us as children. Now, some of us had better parents than others. But so many of us come from broken relationships, and to compound the problem, we come into the world broken. And so we come in Adamic, broken, and then we have parents that either have poor or uh, not great marriages, and then their parenting ability is weak, unbiblical, or sub-biblical, and all of this creates shaping influences to where what you get in marriage, what you get in a girlfriend and what you get in a boyfriend is damaged goods. Every boyfriend, every girlfriend comes from the dinged and dented section of the supermarket. We all come into marriage as damaged goods. Now, it would be great if you got a spouse who was really farther along because of, you know, they became regenerated and they've been working on their sanctification. They had parents who were really complimenting that and helping them to mature in Christ-likeness. But to whatever degree it may be, we all come into marriage broken. And we need to realize that because the dating relationship can be such a mirage and we can think this person is something that he or she is not. And and it's really sad, and then the disappointment hits you quickly within the first six months of marriage, and if you're not ready for that, you're gonna respond wrongly to that. And you may do it again and again, after a while you'll have an accumulative problem, and it will be hard to correct this. 
a year in, five years in, and God forbid, 15 years in. Now, he did say, I like you, Rick, much of what you produce ministers to me as a man. And he said, even the stuff for women. Now, I thought that was fantastic. One, that he is being ministered by this ministry. He's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. He's frustrated, and he's commenting on his frustration, which is fine. But he can find benefit in the ministry, uh, in the resources that we provide. But he says, even the stuff for women, and I thought that was key. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment in my response to him, which I will read to you because it is important to be able to have the ability to apply stuff that's not even written directly to us. And then he says that um, women can and often do beat the man into sinful submission to withdraw. And that, the withdrawing part is what, hap- is what will happen to a man, not just withdraw from the relationship within the marriage, but he will become extroverted in other areas. He will pour himself into his job, into his hobbies, could pour himself into flirtations and other things outside of the home. He, he will withdraw, but he will not be withdrawn necessarily from culture unless he's just totally beat down and there's other complicating factors. But he may withdraw from the marriage, but he he doesn't withdraw from life, not initially. He'll pour himself into other things, and that is dangerous. Women get a soft pass, he said, while men always get the floggings. There's more of that hyperbole. But is it true? Is it true in how you work with people? And that's the thing that you want to address in your own heart. So you want to find the good in what he said here. And there's a lot of good that can be helpful examination for you, and it is for me. If you want to read his letter, go to episode 111. Why are you so hard on men and not on women? That's the title of it. Now, here's what I wrote to him. Dear Struggling, thanks for writing. In the future, please place your comments on our forums here, and I linked that for him. We do not engage personal problems via email because we need to keep email freed up to run the business side of ministry. See, there's two parts to our ministry. The front side, which you experience, is the ministry side. But there is a whole other world to ministry. I call it the business side of ministry. And we have to uh, leave our email freed up so that we can actually run this business side of ministry. Because if we don't run it well, then you won't be receiving anything from us. And so that's why we have public forums to minister, and then email. I can't get in an email correspondence with him or anybody. That's just that's not possible because with hundreds of thousands of people that come to us every year, not possible. It would shut down our ministry. I go on to say, but please know that we don't turn anyone away. I just need you to put your comments on the forum, which I have linked. But since you seem frustrated, I am responding personally to you through our business email system. I'm sorry you have an unfortunate marriage, parentheses, unless you're speaking about another man and his marriage. If so, pardon my assumption. Honestly, I don't track the ratio of 
quote, admonishing, end quote, articles to men versus women, I would have no idea what the number is as far as who has more written to them. I did look at my homepage and noticed two articles, one for a husband and one for a wife. They are titled Mind Mapping Insecure Husband and Critical Wife. The second one is The Insecure Wife Who Lives with a Harsh Husband. I have said in my podcast that you can change the genders from him to her or vice versa to help folks who find it hard to make personal application. If they find it hard to make personal application by what they're reading, just change the gender. If I'm writing to a a guy, change it to a, a gal, and then that may help you to make that personal application. It would be nice if people could read content regardless of stated gender and build those applications, but it seems in most cases they cannot, which is why I tell them in our podcast to switch genders. The majority of our content applies to either sex. I usually write using the he, him pronouns because it's not a good writing practice to say he, she went to the store. That there is clunky and is bad writing. I went on to say my desire here is not to defend how we do ministry, but to give perspective, though I'm aware you are not asking our thoughts on the matter. As you said, you are venting. Any person could dip into almost any article on our site and find help. And if a person does not want to change, it does not matter the ratio of him versus her, or even if I used, and then I put this in all caps to make my points. There is nothing that will motivate them to change other than God granting repentance. Please know that your complaint about our articles does not bother me. But what you said about counseling does. No counselor should take sides. Other than seeking God's will and fame in a counseling session, I'm sorry you had that experience. That type of novice counseling bugs me, and I have voiced my opinion on poor counseling practices many times. If you would like to chat more, please go to our forums. We'll be more than glad to serve you, and thanks for expressing your opinion. I do appreciate it, really, and I really do appreciate that. I finished by saying, I wish we could change our marriage. It breaks my heart. I take what I do seriously, and I I know what it's like to live with a woman who is determined to destroy a marriage. Rick. Now, if you want to read his letter to me and my response to him, again, go to episode 111, and you can find it, and you're welcome to read it. Here's a couple other comments in closing. Last year, a pastor called me, and he was asking a similar question, but it was a different context. Let me share that with you. He called, and he asked, why I write to men and I don't write to women. Now, this pastor had not done due diligence. He had not been on our site. Uh, But the reason that he was saying this is because he was reacting to one of his congregants. There was a woman, a wife, uh, in his uh, one of his members, and she's in an awful marriage. And what she was doing is she was cherry-picking articles from our website and giving it to her pastor and, and bashing her husband because she was angry with him. And so she was using the articles that spoke directly to men 
and she was giving it to her pastor to to validate or to prove her points. And so he wrote back to me, he wrote or, or called and said, hey, what's up with this? Why don't you write to women? Now, again, he had not been on our website, so he, haven't, he had not searched out. And so what I did is I shared a dozen other articles from our site with the pastor that spoke to the wife's responsibility, her role in the marriage. He said that she had not given him any of those. Surprise, surprise. If you, you can use our ministry as a weapon, you can use it as a tool to hurt people. And that's exactly what she was doing. And that was evil, heinous, wicked, ungodly, and a few other synonyms that I'm thinking of right now. A humble person will use our site redemptively. A humble person will take the content from our site, and even if it's written toward Biff, and Mabel is reading it, Mabel will change all the names, all the pronouns, and she will draw out the good from it because she wants to learn. She wants to change. A humble person will use our site redemptively. A proud person will use our site to hurt someone, and that's the main takeaway that I would want you to gain from this podcast. Can you make those applications? Can you train yourself to learn, to pick out the good and what's being said? I hope so. If we can serve you, let us know. This is episode 111. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.